Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, your host, and today's conversation is incredible, and I have not stopped talking about it since I had it a couple of weeks ago. And because I am so obsessed with this conversation, I really, I altered the schedule here and I rushed to get it out because I wanted you guys to hear it. From the minute Alexa Curtis graced my inbox, she has impressed me and blown me away. It's really hard to believe when you talk to her and when you hear her talk about business that she's only 25 years old. But what she's accomplished in this short period of time honest to God, is more than what many corporate executives accomplish in their entire careers. It's funny because when Alexa and I were talking, we realized that we both started our first companies the same time, around 2010, 2011. Alexa was 12. I was 31, 30, 31. And she truly is, and you'll hear in this conversation, the epitome of a pound the pavement, get it done gal. And she really doesn't stop at anything if it's something that she wants to achieve. So if today's conversation inspires you, I want you to share it with a friend or share it on social media. Tag me. I will for sure come and say hi. You can also tag Alexa Curtis. We're going to link her social in the show notes. Please leave us a review on Apple or subscribe to the show. All of the conversations that we have here, including this one, are so amazing and they're so important. And all we want is for as many people as possible to hear them. And when you do little things like sharing the show or leaving a rating or writing a review, it helps the show to get discovered and it helps us to spread the knowledge and wisdom that we share here each and every week. It also helps our community to grow. And most, most, most important, it helps our mission to support as many female founders and entrepreneurs as we possibly can. I cannot thank you enough for being here and for listening. I know you have choices when it comes to podcasts. So thank you so much for choosing ours. A little bit about Alexa. She was born and raised in a small town called Mansfield, Connecticut. And she knew that she was different. She didn't fit into the normal social mold. When she entered middle school, all the bullying that she endured really led her to needing an outlet to escape. And in 2011, just 12 years old, she started a fashion blog called A Life in the Fashion Lane. It became a platform for her to express her feelings around everything related to teens, to body image, mental health. And after pitching and landing her first show on Radio Disney, she left Radio Disney to launch Be Fearless Summit. You're going to hear her talk all about that and what that is. And recently, it was acquired by the woman's upskilling and career platform, Grasshop Her. 
Grasshopper is an upskilling community for women between the ages of 24 and 37. It's filled with reinvented career fairs and membership models. They're currently running, Alexis currently running the company with her co-founder and McKinsey consultant, Heather Miller. And you're going to hear how they met and how they came together to really bring their vision to life. But without further ado, please come on in and meet the amazing Alexa Curtis. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Found Her. I am like blown away by my guest already, and we haven't even really started to talk. But I will tell you this. She has accomplished more in 10 years than most of us accomplish in 10 lifetimes, and she is 25. 25. And I feel like I'm sitting here talking to someone who has three decades of experience, and I'm so excited to dive into her story and to share it with all of you. So Alexa Curtis, co-founder of Grasshopper, welcome to Dear Found Her. Lindsay, I'm such a fan of yours. So thank you so much for having me and uh, being willing to share my story. Oh my God, of course. So tell us your story. Your story is fascinating. Yes. So I started a blog back in 2011 before the day. I know you and I were just talking about this off uh, the recording, but before the day and age of social media, if you can imagine that when I was 12 and I started it because I'm from a super small town in Eastern Connecticut called Mansfield, never fit in. And when I was seven, my father was wrongfully convicted and put in prison in Rhode Island. So I spent most of my childhood visiting him there. And then he got out when I was 12. And that's the year that I started the blog super normal upbringing. My dad was in sales. My mom's a nurse. Um, and so over the past 10 years, built it out into this lifestyle platform and was really able to kind of exist off of the blog through ads and then through working with a lot of different brands as I started pitching my own TV segments. And through that, had a pretty successful podcast that ultimately landed me a show that I pulled pitch to uh, the head of Radio Disney back in 2019. And so I ended up landing my own show on Radio Disney called Fearless Every Day with Alexa Curtis. And I filmed that show for a year and a half. And then while I was at Disney, I had the idea to start this college summit program called the Be Fearless Summit. And so I hosted about five of those, ended up leaving Radio Disney and moving to Austin, Texas, where I met my now co-founder, Heather Miller. And so we decided to merge Be Fearless Summit with her existing company, Grasshopper. And so now I just turned 25 and that's really the ultimate goal here is to build up Grasshopper even more and continue to inspire women. So we're going to get into what all of these things are. But one of the things that I want to touch upon first is how you started the blog, because I think it is so important to the DNA of you and your business, obviously. And it's also something that so many girls deal with. And me being the mom of two young girls, they are nine and 12. I have already seen bullying in both of their grades. And I'm sure you're not surprised. And so I would love for you to kind of dial it back a little bit and talk about starting that blog and what having that outlet did for you. So back in 2011, that's such a good question. Squarespace wasn't even around. I don't even think Wix was around. So I actually started the blog initially on blogger.com. And my sister actually had had the idea because she had read about a girl named Tavi Jevonson who started the Style Rookie. Some people might remember her. I mean, she was like an OG teen blogger back when I started. And so I just Googled how to start a blog and I had the idea life in the fashion lane. And uh, at the time, I mean, I always just did really poorly in school besides English. So writing for me was something that came super naturally. And so I made the blog. I mean, it was free. It was like super 
it was just the ugliest website. I mean, and on the side, there was a little box that said subscribers and it would say the number of subscribers you had and you could just click subscribe. And uh, so initially it started as fashion and uh, I would just post photos and like write blog posts on it and stuff. And then back in the day, I mean, the way to really gain a following is you would go to other blogs in that realm and you would comment in the comment box on blogger.com. Like, I love this, follow me and I'll follow you back. And it was kind of ended up because I was so uh, insecure and someone who didn't have any friends in school, it ended up being this way that I was able to make this community of these girls who were all my age and all these teen bloggers. And you would see it on the side of the subscriber box. Uh, so that was really how it started. And then as like WordPress and Wix and Squarespace evolved, I ended up moving it to uh, WordPress and Squarespace and ultimately made it more of a lifestyle site when I turned about 18. But that was really how I started at the beginning. It was just really a, a thing I never expected to be anything. Do you feel like your blog really lifted you up outside of digital is like in school as well? Like, yeah. like what did it do for your confidence to have that? Outlet? Yeah, it was my outlet. You know, some people work out and now obviously I have so many other outlets that I'm able to overcome anxiety or stress or something with. But at that time, yeah, that was really, it was almost like I would go home from school and lock myself in my room and just write on this blog. And I think also because at that time, there wasn't 18 different streams of places to feel so insecure, right? Like now you can go on TikTok and Instagram. Someone's always hotter than you, skinnier, more successful, more rich, like smarter if you think that they are, even though you've probably never met them in person. At this time, it was like MySpace, AOL, a blog. So it was like there was no element of even bullying or judgment or jealousy from the internet. And it was kind of this honestly really nice and relaxing time to have a, a hobby like that. Did people in school take note? Did they know what you were doing? Did like, how was that interaction? You know, it's interesting to think about that, right? Yeah. So I was pretty badly bullied and I started getting bullied around the seventh grade, which is when I started the blog. And also, I mean, just keep in mind, like I'm from a super small town um, in a town that's not like in LA or New York. People knew what had happened to my father. So on top of that, I'm now like going to New York and taking buses down, able to get myself to fashion week and whatnot. And so people did not think it was cool. I was bullied pretty badly. Uh, but I think that also the bullying was something that ended up really being able to help me understand and grasp what so many young people go through. And so I, again, like really funneled that into the site. But I would say up until I was 18, maybe even 17, I mean, I was not like going and standing up on stage being like, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, this is so cool. I mean, I was still so scared of that judgment I experienced in middle and high school. How, okay. Let's. How did you know how to monetize this blog? You said I was making money. I was making a living. First of all, most kids, boys and girls do not make a living before they're 18, before they're 21, before they're even 25. Let's be honest. So how like you said, I was making a living from my blog. How did you know what to do? That's so interesting. And when I kind of try and explain it to people and I guess I get asked that question a lot and I don't I mean, I don't really have any entrepreneurs in my family, so it's it's quite odd. Right. But I think that's a really good segue into this question of like, are entrepreneurs born or made? Because I don't know. I know I had started a LinkedIn profile when I was 16 and I was in a science class at the time. And I had gotten a message from someone who owned a skincare brand in California. And she was like, 
I bet on your LinkedIn, I would never disclose my age. And up, up until 16, I mean, I was making like a small amount of money when I was still living at home. And it was 16. I didn't need to move out or anything. I was still in school. And she messaged me on LinkedIn and was like, do you do social media for other companies? This is when Hootsuite, I don't know if you're familiar yep. with Hootsuite. Yeah. Hootsuite had like just come out. And I was like, I don't even know, but like, we can try it. So I ended up charging her, I think at the time, like $50 a week. I would, she was completely insane, but I would do like five posts a day and I would try and schedule it in between being in school. And this woman had no idea that I literally like legally could not even sign a contract to get paid. Um, And so because of that, I ended up getting a lot more people who were reaching out to me on LinkedIn. And I ended up getting referred to a woman in New York, uh, Brittany, and she was incredible. And she is an on-air personality. And sometimes I would go down to New York on the weekends or something. It's about like four hours from where I was from, you know, bus or train, whatever. And uh, I one day asked her, like, how is it that you're able to go on the Today Show and Good Morning America uh, and you work with these brands? Like, is the Today Show paying you? And she was like, oh, no, you just pitch the brand, but you can't tell the Today Show you're getting paid. And like something went off in my head is like, "Ah." I mean, I was probably making like 500 a month on ads for the site. But I was like, this makes a lot of sense. So I ended up going home and pitching the producer at Fox, Connecticut, uh, just wrote like a cold pitch. It was like two paragraphs, somehow landed a segment, went to a bunch of brands. And that's when I figured out, really, you have to contact the public relations people and the marketing people and pitch it to them. And so I realized after that segment, like I can keep doing this. And so I would just keep upping the rate. So it ended up being between like 17 to 19 before I signed with Disney. I was pretty much pursuing the blog as like my side hustle, my passion, like speaking engagements. And really what was paying my bills was those TV segments. So I was doing like, I would do honestly two to four a month. And I don't think a lot of people, you would know, but a lot of people don't realize what goes into them. And I would do these model segments because my initial focus at that time was fashion. So I would find JCPenney or Kohl's, you know, four or $5,000. I was making a ton of money, but the repercussions of it were, I mean, it was immensely stressful. Um, A lot of things I remember being underage with contracts that I didn't realize. Uh, And on top of that, you know, you can't a lot of times get paid up front. So it ended up putting me into a lot of debt. And I've spoken a lot about the debt part of being a founder too, because I would get paid, you know, $3,000, $4,000 after 90 days or 30 days from this TV segment. But to get to the segment, to make the money, I'd have to pay the models and fly there. And I'd try and pitch a free hotel. So it was a lot, but um, really that was how I was able to monetize it for a while. We, I just want to say that a couple things. One, things have changed immensely in terms of pay, pay for play TV yeah. segments. You know that. And I'm saying that so that the listeners hear this because I talk about this a lot actually on social media. I just, I, I also did a ton of pay to play TV segments back in the day and I made a ton of money and my company made a ton of money. And now in today's day, I'm not a huge fan of pay to play. And that's a whole other conversation. Um, you know, I just think it's so different and it's become very commercialized and wow. inauthentic, you know, but the reason I'm bringing this up is what you just described and the whole process that you described to getting to the point that you were getting brands to pay you thousands of dollars, that whole process that you just outlined takes adults, like adults, like professionals in their thirties and forties years to figure out still, you know, I mean, you figured it out. Like you were scrappy and ambitious and you cracked the code on how you could make money from your blog without being on your blog. And I think that that is a really important thing to point out because 
it was a natural extension, of course. And now looking back, you, you know that, and I know that, but as a 16 year old to figure that out, it's amazing. And that is what I challenge founders to think about all the time is to extend their brand. How do you extend your brand to make more money? Not just put all your eggs in one basket. And that was just so smart what you did. Thanks. And I think it's such a good point to say that is, and especially if if you're a founder, right? And you're trying to start a company and you're like, I just need to go viral on TikTok or Instagram. And like, that's it. And I think right now that really is the mentality, but I don't look at it like that. I don't think you can make a sustainable brand that's going to scale and maybe get sold or whatnot based on expecting one viral video. Because at the end of the day, you know, those the um, trade shows and like getting in front of people and that face-to-face connection is really, I think, how you build that brand. It's hard to just rely on TikTok to make you a millionaire and a successful company. Thank you for saying that. And I know we talked about this before we hit record. And, you know, that's a really big issue that I have right now with a lot of young entrepreneurs that they want success really fast. They don't want to put in the work. They want to be Insta famous or TikTok famous, they want to go viral and they think that doing that is going to make them a millionaire. And that's not reality. For 99.9% of people, that's not what happens. What would you say to those people? What else would you say to those people? Because I think people need to hear it. I have two things and it's something I've thought about a lot. And the number one thing that I've realized is like, look, okay, so you go viral and you make a million dollars, you have 10 million and you're 30, right? Are you going to want to put your family on TikTok? Like, what is your, your point now after this is not sexy anymore? Because ultimately, like, I'm going to be 30, 40, 50. I'm, I'm not going to be like young, hot and blonde anymore. It's going to be harder for me to go through the motions with no repercussions because I don't have a family right now. I don't have anyone to support. So as a business owner, I think the older that you get, the more that that's something that you realize is like, I want to create something where at 40, I don't have to work every day, but I still probably want to. So that would be my first question. Uh, And then my second question would be, or or thought would be on that. If you are unable to find something that makes you want to wake up every day and help someone, a lot of successful companies were started based on either the founder or the founder's friend or something trying to fill a need in their life. Like I started a blog because I had no friends. Uh, And I think, you know, you started a company because you were a mom or becoming a mom and expecting mom. And so that was something you were trying to fill. And because of that, in the moments where it is so hard, because it is not the same to be an entrepreneur and a TikTok influencer. I do not think that they're the same thing. It is so hard in those moments where you're so rejected or you're so broke or you just have no idea what you're doing to get back up. Uh, And so if you're not willing to get through those moments, but you're just waiting on that one moment where it just hits, you can't do this. Like, do not do this because it is not fun 99% of the time until really one day it's fun. But that may take... 15, 20, 30 years. So how much are you willing to sacrifice uh, to get to that? November is here. And by far, it is my most favorite month of the year. That goes without saying. I love Thanksgiving. It is my favorite holiday on the calendar, mostly because I get to go home to Michigan, to my town outside of Detroit and get to spend time with my family and friends. And anyone who's from Detroit knows there's nothing like Thanksgiving in D-Town. It's also my birthday later this month. And that's obviously so much fun too. But more than anything, you know, November always serves as a reminder to me for all that I'm thankful for. And it's really something that I think about all year long and especially in November. 
honest to God, all of you guys rank right up there at the top of this list. I never in my wildest dreams would have expected Dear Found Her to take off the way that it did when I started planning it over a year ago. And it's because of all of you here listening every single week to both episodes that we continue to grow leaps and bounds. And honestly, I... I'm blown away by the response, by the DMs, by the emails, by the conversation. So thank you so much. I've been trying to think about a way that I can express my gratitude and thanks for making the first year of Dear Founder as incredible as you guys have. So from now until November 24th, I'm going to give you guys free access to your choice of one of my digital products to learn my best tips and tricks for building a monetizing community, or you can treat yourself to a coffee at Starbucks on me. Really simple. To redeem your free gift, all you have to do is rate or review Dear Founder on Apple Podcast and submit a screenshot at lindsaypinchuk.com forward slash thank you by November 24th. I will also link it below in the show notes so that you have no trouble finding that link. It's not a raffle. Anyone who submits the form by November 24th will get their choice of a free gift. So thank you again so much for supporting me, for supporting the show. I cannot wait for what is to come. Have a great November and a very happy Thanksgiving. Part of why I asked that is because my demographic tends to skew a little older, like 35 plus for sure, maybe even 40 plus when you, when you break it down. And um, I, I have a lot of like 30 to 40 year olds. And then I have a lot of like 40 to 55 year olds. That's kind of the range. But I say that because the topic comes up all the time, especially amongst the older end of my demographic. Like, oh, I like I just am never going to go viral on on TikTok. Like I can't do social media and blah, blah, blah. And I always say to them, that's not going to get you a business. No, like that supports your business and builds your community. But it that's not how you have a viable transactional business through is through social media. So I, that's why I wanted you to say this because you are a 25 year old and you think very much like I do. And I think it's so important for people to hear, not just from me. So thank you. Yeah. And I think it's great you say that too. Cause I mean, I, I can only imagine being 35 and I mean, my co-founder started this at 40, right? So I can imagine, I mean, she has two kids. It's a totally different game when you're older than I am. And you're going into this knowing that like you may risk everything and that puts your family at risk now. But I think the the opposite side of not taking the risk is the possibility that it works out is so high if you take the risk. And even if it doesn't work out, if you've taken a risk that's that dramatic, likely something is going to happen to you in your life that's going to make you realize it was worth the risk. Uh, So I would say, I mean, you have to go for it because otherwise I wouldn't want to live with that kind of regret. You know, what's so crazy. And this is just an aside that I, that I'm sharing is so like you, I started my company at the same time. I mean, we, at the same time, it was 2010, there was no social media and I didn't really, you know, who knew at the time, but I, you know, I of course shared pictures of my babies when they were born. That was my business. And now in hindsight, I probably wouldn't do that. If I were starting my business over again, uh-uh. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't get into that game. I really had no choice. As I, as we moved into things, people were used to seeing me, they were used to seeing my kids, but I stopped geotagging things. I stopped sharing where my kids went to after school activities. There have been issues where people have taken pictures of mine and shared them you know, I had an anti-vaxxer take a picture of mine 
and share it on their profile. I mean, it's really fucking scary. And I definitely didn't realize in 2010 who did that this was going to be the future and this is going to be where we were. And to your point, I probably would not have put my kids out there the way that I did. Yeah. And that's why I think so many people now rely on social media to get them those results is because it is so different now. The game is so different than how you and I started. I don't know if I could do what I did. I I don't think I could. I don't think I could do it now. And I don't know that you would be able to do it now in the same way because there's so many things you have to think about and so many outside voices. Uh, So, yeah. So, I mean, it is really just something to think about is if you definitely are between that 18 to 30 year old range and you want to go viral for doing something crazy. I mean, would your future kids be proud of this or your family? I don't know. Those are such good points. Such good points. So I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk about Radio Disney before we move into Grasshopper because we are going to get to it, I promise. But I, I really want people to understand all that you've done. I mean, that's a really big deal that you had a show on Radio Disney. Um, you brought up Brittany, who I'm assuming is a mentor of yours. And was she someone who pushed you to pitch this or did you pitch this on your no. own? So I actually haven't, I honestly haven't, we follow each other on social media. I haven't spoken to Brittany in like probably four years. She just had a kid. I know that um, Brittany Levine is her name and she was incredible. Um, but no, I honestly really didn't have any mentors. Now I do. But so I was doing that like social media thing with clients for probably up until I was 18. I moved out and did the whole starving artist thing in New York when I was 17, went to bed Brooklyn. Uh, and I was doing it there. I completely stopped doing it probably when I was about 19 and went full force with the TV segments. If I really like, if I couldn't afford my bills, I would just try and pitch a TV segment. Um, and the reason I got out of the social media thing was I couldn't, I couldn't handle every, like people telling me what to do. And I, it's their babies. Like it's their social media. I get it. Cause at that point I wasn't, I didn't know what my career would become. So no, the Radio Disney thing happened. So I was in New York for about a year and then I ended up moving to Boston and I had started this podcast called This Is Life Unfiltered and managed to, by cold pitching, have massive founders on it. I mean, the founder of Headspace, people from Shake Shack. Uh, and so it became a, a very big show in this in the realm of like that entrepreneurial podcast space. And so I had come across online just from research. I remember I was sitting in Boston. I came across a huge producer list with like every manager agent in Hollywood. And everyone from STX to Disney to MTV was on there. And I sent a cold pitch out and I BCC'd 466 producers and just basically said, hi, my name's Alexa Curtis. I have a podcast. I've done a lot of TV segments. Like I have an idea for a show. And I ended up landing two different meetings. And one of them replied to me from Radio Disney uh, and is at the time Phil left now, but Phil Greeny. And it was his assistant who was like, Phil received your email. And if you live in LA, let's take a meeting. And I got the email and was like, oh my God, I had also simultaneously started this thing called Fearless Fridays where every Friday on social media, I would do something like skydiving or write an email that scared me to do. And so I included that in the pitch. And so I didn't live in LA, but I called a friend of mine from childhood and was like, you always wanted to go to LA. Will you try it with me for three months? And within like a week, I subletted my apartment uh, in Boston, because I was just getting kind of bored there. And I packed up all my stuff. And we found an apartment in West Hollywood, it was like $700 a month. And I had the first meeting with them. And over the course of about like five months ended up a manager had seen me on a KTLA segment, I did also a pay to play. Uh, and was like, we're really interested in this. Um, you know, what else do you have going on? And I was like, actually, I think I kind of cold pitched a radio Disney, and they seem interested in the show. Like, if this progresses, I really should have someone watch over these contracts. 
And that was really how it ended up happening. And then the crazy thing is they said yes to the show in November of 2019, 2018 or 2019. And then in March, because Disney is so corporate and so slow, I got an email from them being like, as much as we love Alexa, we found some content online. A lot of people don't know the story. We found some content online uh, and unfortunately, like, wish her the best of luck. I was at a conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I I remember it. You probably you have moments. Sick. I, 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 I literally, even like looking back, I feel so traumatized. I just like fell to the floor and I was like, oh my God. And I, my manager called me and is like, you know, what the fuck did you do? And I was like, I have, I have no idea. And I'm thinking like, do I believe sex tape? Like I, I don't, I used to live in New York when Tinder came out. Like I have no idea. What they had found was this series of videos I had posted on YouTube called Sex Ed for Teens. That was a very PG format of me trying to educate young women about their bodies in sex ed because I was never taught about sex ed. Like literally, I barely even said the word. Oh my sex. god, which is like so needed to be. <laughs> Yes, of course. And of course, and you know, my manager's like, I don't understand why I didn't delete these. And I'm like, I don't understand why a conglomerate like Disney didn't tell me to delete them before I signed this contract. Anyway, so for six months, it was radio silence. My manager's like about to drop me. I'm losing my mind, like depressed out of my mind, can like barely even afford my rent. I'm calling him. Um, she's calling him, leaving a message every day, no response. And then I went to visit my sister in Turkey. She lives in Istanbul. And I, I really was like, my career's over and I hate my life. And it's just awful. Like I screwed up. This is my fault. And I get a phone call when I landed back in LA um, from Eileen, who was like, well, your show's back on. Phil said he was too busy to get back to our emails for the past six months, but like they'll, they'll give you the show still. And I just, that was one of those career moments. And I know this is like such a run on story, so I'm going to shut up. But that was one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, if I had really given up or just like shut down everything, I would never have known that the show would have come through. Well, and your, the trajectory of your career would have changed. It wouldn't be exactly. what it is. So that is, then the show went into production in August. <laughs> so yeah. when did you have the idea of the fear, the Be Fearless Summit? Like, when did that come to you? And how did you kind of, how did you start to put that together? So I had started getting asked to speak at conferences when I detoured the website from fashion to more lifestyle. So I ended up getting some online writing gigs. I would cold pitch the editor of Rolling Stone and Parade Magazine ideas that I had and ended up getting a lot of like good paid freelance writing jobs. And I was getting a lot of responses from like talking more openly about my eating disorder and what happened to my father and being bullied. Uh, and so because of that, I was getting asked to speak at some pretty big conferences. Most of them at the time were unpaid. And I would you know be on these panels with everyone was like 30, 40, 50. And I'm like 18, 19. And so I just literally, I, because I had interviewed so many big founders and because I was on these panels, I was like, I'm, I don't feel like I can relate to anyone at these. Like I'm talking to people in the audience who are also 30, 40, 50 about business. And that's great. But what if there's like an 18 year old guy out there like me who's interested in business and wants to come to these? Like, it's going to be hard for him to walk away feeling like he can relate to anyone. So I was like, I literally had the idea of Be Fearless Summit. I made a media kit. I emailed every school for a year while I was at the beginning of Disney, no response. And then I was speaking at the Pennsylvania Conference for Women and there was a Drexel booth there. And I went up to the girl and was like, hey, like I'm I'm an entrepreneur, I started as a blogger, I have this idea. And I literally, point blank, was like, no one wants it. But if you ever want like a college summit, like I have a lot of people that I know. She's like, oh, this is so interesting. Like let's take a meeting. Uh, and so I ended up, going back to Philly and having a meeting with them. And they were like, we'll give you this space if you want to host an event, but we can't pay you. And I was like, 
oh, this is perfect. I'm going to call like every famous person I know that I've interviewed. They're all going to show up. That's fine. Well, I had no idea what I got myself into because I mean, it was like back-to-back panels. I ended up getting sponsors. I ended up getting money just from like cold pitching um, and honestly made a lot of money from that, but I had never put on an event. I mean, I ended up getting people from Disney to speak in Comcast. I was like coordinating their travel. It was just me. So we did the first one. And then from there kind of COVID started and I pitched it to UC Berkeley and Vanderbilt ended up getting it. Same thing. We'll give you the space, but we won't pay you. And the response was just so dramatic afterwards. I mean, this changed my life. I made a mentor. I have a job now. Like, thank you. And I was like, oh God, like, am I onto something? Cause I don't really want to plan these events for the rest of my life. And then, uh, can you tell, say just, I mean, obviously people can deduce from the title, be fearless, like what it is, but like who came, what went on? So every single concept was different and it has evolved so much since the beginning, but really the goal was to get a bunch of successful CEOs and entrepreneurs on panels to talk about things that you're not taught about in school, finances, taxes, how to make a good friend. What if your friends suck? Like moderately into dating, but how to dress for your dream job. But the goal was that 18 to 24 year old demographic. And so I realized that a lot of people will speak for free. And a lot of people were really starting to believe in the mission of like making people feel fearless. And so I would, you know, I would pitch Shake Shack and I got Headspace. We had a partnership with Fujifilm, all just from cold pitching online. And then sponsors would come and have booths and we would do like a lunch. So students would come and half of them would come for the free lunch and a lot of them would stay and listen to the panels. And then uh, I pitched it to UConn. Actually, the um, head of UConn saw it on LinkedIn in January of 2020 and sent me a message and was like, how much does this cost? And I stupidly was like, "Uh, I don't know, $2,000. Like I've never been paid before. And uh, David was like, well, we'll give you $10,000 if you bring this to UConn. And I was like, I remember calling my dad being like, oh my God, like someone believes in the idea. And so I did the first big one with UConn. And then from there, we had um, another one in February. And now it's all just word of mouth. And another one we just did, that was another $10,000 deal. That was a three-hour summit in October. So Heather Miller is your now co-founder of of Grasshopper. How did you guys connect and what brought you guys together? So I moved to Austin and was just planning still to pursue the college summits um, and never really kind of knew what the next step of it was. Just like, like I always am just going through the motions. Like if this doesn't work, I'll end up finding someone else and uh, to, to do this with and proceed with. And so I did a talk at UT and kept in touch with the woman, Leslie Robinson, who is just a major mentor now of mine. And in February, her and I were on a Zoom and she was like, a woman started a company you need to check out called Grasshopper. She's in Austin. She's amazing. And she's also spoken at UT. So I messaged Heather, I think like three times on LinkedIn, finally got a response and was like, can I please take you to to lunch at Soho House? I want to you know, talk to you about Grasshopper. I started a mentorship company. I did start a mentorship company last year and it didn't really do too well. And so it ended up really just going from there. I ended up sitting down with her for like two hours. And during that lunch was like, have you ever thought about having a co-founder? And she was like, it has always really terrified me, but I've always thought about it. Like, what about you? And I was like, I don't know. Something tells me that like, I just don't think we need to do this separately. This will be way better if we do it together. So we ended up just doing, you know, four or five, six hour whiteboard sessions every week. We'd come to, to WeWork and be like, I would bring in the summit experience and the sponsorships. And she was a really big um, McKinsey consultant. So she has a lot of different business experience than I do. 
And we ended up officially becoming partners in August and then launching our memberships uh, and more of that reinvented college fair in September. So that's now how we do it. And so tell us now, what is Grasshopper now and what does it look like? So Grasshopper Now is a woman's upskilling and career-based platform and community. So we have three different products that we currently sell, and that is a virtual membership and an Austin membership with a Connecticut chapter launching in 2023, and then the reinvented college fair and career fair. So basically, if you buy into a Grasshopper membership, it's very similar to, in a sense, Female Founder Collective or Hey Mama, but our demographic is really that 24 to 37-year-old young adult woman who is progressing through her life and is either looking to land her dream job, pivot, or start a company. Now, the unique selling point of Grasshopper is because of my connections from Disney and Heather's connections in business, we're able to have these major thought leaders on virtual discussions and these in-person events we have in Austin. So we have, for example, like the CEO of uh, Hello Sunshine, Sarah Hardin, Candace Nelson, who's the founder of Sprinkles. We just had Jonathan Javier, who started this massive career company called Consulting. And if you're a member, it's just a Zoom like this. I mean, you're able to literally be on the phone with them. And then there's so many other things throughout the week, like, you know, Slack, kind of discussions and then our events and swag bags. But that really is something that we have found been really exciting for people because her and I didn't have this when we started our career. So it's really cool to be able to give give back to them in that way. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. I love everything you describe because it's like a bump club for for new career women, really and truly. I mean, like all the different elements that you just described outside of Slack. We didn't have Slack at Bump Club, but but outside of Slack are really how I built my first company. And I say that because I want people listening to know and understand that a lot of the same principles apply to, you know, every type of business and it's just applying it to your niche. Yeah, exactly. And really just figuring out that that customer, right? Who is it you're trying to appeal to and, and why do you fill that role for them? And I think that's something I would say every founder needs to ask themselves or aspiring entrepreneur is for your customer, why you? Like, why are you the best person to sell this product? So since you and Heather joined forces, what's been the growth trajectory? I know it's recent, but like, and what and what's, what are the plans kind of moving forward? So many. So Grasshopper right now is focused on 
building out these two memberships. And so Connecticut, because I'm from there and I've done a lot of summits there, we found a massive following in Connecticut of young women. So we have now brought on someone to basically host this Connecticut chapter. And so we're planning to also start doing more happy hours. So we have this like one event a month, but in Austin predominantly, we're going to start hosting uh, an additional happy hour. That's more of like an intro come mingle meet. There is certainly an aspect of Grasshopper that we don't want it to just be like any meetup. I mean, these are not events that are just posted online. Like this truly is a community of powerful intellectual women, whether or not they're CEOs or entrepreneurs who are really there to uplift each other. So uh, that's really the goal. So we're not necessarily looking to have a thousand members by December. We really want to make sure that everybody is having this individualized experience. Uh, And so that's why we're kind of expanding with the Connecticut chapter first and then going from there. And then our next plan for 2023 is we're doing an Airstream activation. So a grasshopper on the road. So you can basically come and get in-person mentorship starting first with Texas uh, during South by Southwest and on different uh, campuses around Texas. And that's going to be really, I think, cool for us. Do you ever sleep? Nine hours a night, Lindsay, I'm not kidding. Literally, I sleep. I think sleep is so important beyond. You are just like so impressive and such a ball buster. It's like it's amazing to hear you talk about all of these initiatives and strategies and tactics and just the way that you are and not even that you want the way that you are changing the world. It's amazing. Amazing. Thank you you so much. Same to you. I really appreciate it. So I have just a few more questions for you, but you know, one of the things that you brought up that I think is very important and I want to point out because I also talk about this often and I think the fact that you said this to me twice during the conversation and you clearly recognize that this is how to do business is you brought up two times and I know that there were many more than this, but two times that were pivotal in your career that you said, can I take you to lunch Mm -hmm. and talk about the impact of that? The impact of being in front of someone is so strong and it's something that you don't necessarily get via email. And I think that if you believe so deeply in yourself and in your mission, and I mean, I am not a millionaire yet. Like I haven't made it in my mind in any capacity yet, but I am able to sit down and truly either I think help someone or inspire them or really be able to sell them a product. And that's either my personal brand or this company. And either that will make them buy a membership or it will give me some really good feedback. And I think because of that, knowing that I'm so good at that, and that's why I've done a lot of these college talks, is that element of being in person and being able to really kind of like feel the room and that energy is how you're able to, I find, scale a successful company. And so I think that taking someone to coffee, and this is not like, I don't just message XYZ on LinkedIn all the time because no one really has time for coffee. Like, why does anyone want to do that? But if you really have something and you think that this person is the person that you need to be in front of, then if they say no to your coffee, then I would literally go and stand outside of their office building. Like I literally did that when I tried to get a show on Hello Sunshine when I left Disney. I went and stood outside of the office building in Santa Monica. Like, I just think that that is something that is so important. And I think there's so many good ways to go about it too. Uh, And especially if this is someone you're looking to get mentored by, I mean, asking someone to go to coffee and and share their story, everyone wants to talk about themselves. So do it that way and then know why you're going into it. But just remember, everyone loves something free and everyone loves to talk about themselves. Such good advice. Such good advice. What would you tell the bullies? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. And I remember when I was bullied, my sister was like, don't worry, all of these girls will work at Starbucks and you'll be a millionaire. 
And I was like, she's right. I want to work at Starbucks. I don't know. You look back, I think on these things and I'm like, you're just not like me. But what I wish that a lot of young people knew is that it's just okay to be different. And that usually when someone's different, it means that they're doing something that's going to make people insecure and jealous. Uh, And so I hope that they instill that in their in their future kids and families is that you can't make someone feel bad just because they're different. I like could cry literally hearing you say this because all I talk about in our house is, is why do you want the same shoes as everyone? Why do you want the same sweatshirt as everyone? What, why can't you just be different? Let's pick out something that works for you and shine through in your differences. And it's, you know, it's very hard. It's very hard when you're raising two girls and and they want to have the things that everyone else has and everyone wants the things that they have. You know, the, you know, my kid might do something different and then they come just they come home from school and they're like, oh, so and so got, you know, dyed their hair blue like me. Like my nine year old has blue hair right now. That's what she wanted. And and I said, okay, so, you know, she wanted to be different. She wanted to be like her sister because her sister did it a few years ago. But um, but in any event, you know, it's that's I, I it's so important to hear that. And I, I appreciate you saying oh. that. And so my last question for you, and I could really, I, I could talk to you all day. I, I feel like this is going to be a recurring thing because I'm, I have more questions for you, but um, my last question for you today is what are three actionable tips that you would tell a founder right now? Who's getting started? Oh man. Number one, limit your scrolling. I think the more that you're comparing yourself to other companies, the more that you're wasting your time, not focusing on scaling yours. Number two, read more. I mean, I've started reading way more than I used to. And I think it's helped me really get out of my head in those moments where I'm just questioning myself and like read really intentionally. So I just started reading three books and honestly, they've really helped me. And number three, try something different every week, like on a personal level, Obviously, there's such a hustle culture out there, and I've tried to stop getting a, being a part of that because I've realized like I don't need to work 24 hour days. That's a me thing. Like I used to work, get up, and I wouldn't stop until eight nine, and like I was so tired, and I was kind of still so unhappy. And that was something I really struggled with at Disney. And so trying something fun and unique that's personal or even business related just makes you a well rounded person, and then in reality, a good leader and a good founder. Alexa Curtis, co-founder of Grasshopper. I am like blown away by this conversation. You are pure magic. I can't believe you're 25. I can't wait to see what you do. I mean, a millionaire is probably like number 10 on the list of what you're going to accomplish. I can't I can't wait to see what is coming next. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story with me. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Are you as blown away by today's conversation as I am? And I, like I said, I have not stopped talking about Alexa since I met her a couple weeks ago. I loved everything about our talk and I loved hearing how she started at such a young age and really just, like I said earlier, pounded the pavement to get to where she wanted to be. There were so many takeaways from today's conversation. And as always, I will send them to you if you're on my email list. So make sure you subscribe to the link in my show notes. When you do, you'll also get a lesson every single week to help grow your business. But for now, here are my top five takeaways from today's conversation. Number one, 
talk to other people, ask them how they do what they do, and then figure out how to do that yourself in a way that works for you. Number two, figure out what the natural extensions are of your brand. How do you extend your brand and make more money and not put all of your eggs in one basket? Number three, if you're relying on social media before perhaps you start a family or your business, you want to think about what having a business on social media will mean to you when you do. This was such good advice that she gave. She's not a mom. She's 25. And for her to have the notion to think about that is really, really incredible. Number four, take the risk. You have to go for it. You do not want to live with that kind of regret. And number five, look around you and build a business on what is missing from your own life. I want to thank you so much for being here today and for being a part of this conversation. Thank you, Alexa Curtis, for sharing your story with the Dear Founder community. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to take out your phone, scroll all the way down, and leave a rating or review for Dear Founder so that others can discover us. And stay tuned for a new episode coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.